Good morning, good morning. Yeah, I love the enthusiasm. I don't know if you know it, but God's church is getting stronger. And it can either get stronger with you or without you. Because we know, as we talked a little bit about last week, is that God is constantly moving. He's constantly doing something. And so the question becomes, are we going to be a part of what he's doing? Are we going to disconnect ourselves from what he's doing? And what I love about the church coming together is that the reality of it is this morning is that if we come together, this should actually be a time where we're getting stronger. So I don't, I don't know what you walked in here with this morning. I don't know what kind of mess you put up with this past week, but it's time to forget that. And it's time to say, okay, God, what is it that you have for me this morning? Because what we're going to talk about this morning is so much bigger than any problem or anything we may be facing or thinking about. It's so much bigger than what we can even wrap our minds around. There's this parable that Jesus teaches uh, in the Gospels. He talks about how there was a shepherd and he had a hundred sheep. And when one of those sheep decided he wasn't going to hang out with the other sheep anymore, and so he went awry. He, he decided to go his own way, decided to get lost. And, and what I love about that, Jesus uses this parable for the disciples to say, hey guys, when you see a lost sheep, when you see it go, uh, go away, it's not as important to care about the 99 as it is to run after the one. And what he's, do, what he's doing is he's helping his disciples, he's helping his followers, he's even helping his church understand that it's really important for us to know and to understand that God cares about those who are lost. Because he says at the very end of that parable, he says this, it is his desire that none would perish. And what we know to be true is that there are people going to hell every single day. And so if that's the case, then one of our core values as a church should be to unashamedly share the gospel. That should be, man, you guys are vocal this morning. I hear you. Y'all are almost becoming Pentecostal on me. <laughs> Whew, I grew up in the Wesleyan church. We didn't do that kind of thing. We worship like this. You're like, what's the Wesleyan church? It doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and what we know to be true is that, did you know that four out of 10 people have never heard the gospel? Four out of 10 people have never heard the gospel. Now, a good portion of that is, is happening over in other parts of the world, but that's just the reality of it this morning is that if we're going to talk about unashamedly sharing the gospel, what you need to know is that it's not only about sharing the gospel within the confines of America, but it's also called, as a church, we're called to take the gospel to other parts of the world. And so here's where it gets uneasy for you. What if God calls you to go somewhere other than Leland? You're like, well, Pastor Chris, that means I got to leave your church. See ya. 
because I'm not going to be responsible for holding you here into your comfort zone when God's called you to go into other places to share the gospel. But the reality of it is, is that most people sitting in the church are like, oh Lord, please don't call me to Africa. But what if he does? Because he says, if you're not willing to give up everything, you cannot be a follower of Jesus. And so we have to come to this place where we're, we're in tune with what God's doing. Say, God, whatever, wherever you send me, even if that's into Circle K, even if it's into Walmart, even if it's into some places that we, you know, God, if you're sending them me there, then I'm willing to go and I'm willing to be your vessel. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. In America, they say that 29% of people have, have claimed to be what they call nuns, not like, like nuns in the Catholic church. Nuns as in N-O-N-E-S, nuns, they, they proclaim nothing. They want nothing to do with spiritual things. And, and the reality of it is, to be really honest with you, it's really interesting because I looked up statistics a few years ago and it said that even in Brunswick County, there were about 70 or 80% of people that claimed to have some type of religious affiliation. But only about 20%, about 19% of those people actually go to church. I'm like, how can you disconnect the two? Can you disconnect church from Jesus? But people are doing it. I'll sit at home and I'll watch my Jesus on TV. That sounds like to me you're not connected to the body of Christ. And I'll get off of that. And so we know that there's still work to, work to be done. We also know that Jesus says that he's not actually coming back until every person has at least had the opportunity to hear the message of Jesus. Which fortunately for us, you've, you're hearing it. If you haven't given your life to Christ at some point now, hopefully you will decide at some point to say yes to Jesus. Because here's the reality of it this morning. The reality of it is, is that as Jesus said, these were Jesus' words, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what, Je that's what Jesus was talking about, that's, that salvation is found only in him. So I want to ask you this morning, okay, it led me to this question in my mind, what is it that your life actually reflects? What is it that your life actually reflects? If you're to sit back and you're to take an inventory of your life, what is it that your life reflects? In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, it says that as water reflects a, faith, a face, so one's life reflects the heart. And so my question would be, what does your life reflect this morning? That for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you have to ask yourself that because the reality of it is, listen to me, listen to me, you can't be sharing unashamedly unless your life actually reflects Jesus. Otherwise, keep your mouth shut. Okay, now that doesn't mean you have to be perfect, right? You're going to screw up. You're human, 
You're, you're going to mess up. It doesn't mean that you're, that you're going to be perfect, but it means that you need to at least have a heart that wants to reflect Jesus and be like Jesus, and you're constantly trying to think about what it is that I can do to be more like Jesus. Because if you do that, then you're going to, I believe, unashamedly share the gospel. So salvation comes through Jesus' death on the cross. But Jesus' death on the cross was a bridge to our salvation. And my, here's my other question to you. Are you a bridge builder? Or are you building walls? Because let's be honest, the church likes to be judgmental. We like to point our finger. We like to say, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. And you should have done, you shouldn't have done that. And, and Jesus, in reality, if we read like, if we actually read the life of Jesus, we realize that Jesus learned to love everybody through their circumstances, but he also learned to tell them truth. And so we have to learn to be able to do the same thing as bridge builders. We have to learn to be able to give people truth and grace. We're not the bridge. We're just bridge builders. And so, so let's look at Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4 for just a minute. Oh, let, hey, uh, uh, not there. Go to that other, that. Was that up there before this? Have you already seen that? Okay. Sorry, I get to rolling and get my. So, th so this is our understanding of the bridge that Jesus has come for us, right? We were sinners for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and Jesus is the cross, and Jesus' death on the cross became the bridge for us to God and to salvation and to eternal life, and it's a free gift that we've been given, and guess what? You can't do anything to earn it. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. You can't be a good person. You can't show up at church 52 weeks out of the year. You can't come some during the week. You can't do all those things. It doesn't matter how many things you try and do. It doesn't matter because the only way that you can actually get to heaven, the gift that you've been given is through saying yes to Jesus and the gift that he has offered to you. And that's why the word believe is actually in the middle. Because the Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, you will be saved. And so that's what we know to be true. Man, this could be, this is probably one of the most important messages, not from me, but from the word. It's probably one of the most important messages for us as a church is to be reminded that it becomes our responsibility to share the gospel unashamedly with courage and with boldness because there are too many people who are dying and going to hell. And I'm afraid that if the church, the church overall, there's too many, I think in the church universal, there have been some thoughts that have come out of that. Well, it doesn't affect me. If people are going to hell, that's their choice. Yes, it is their choice, but it should be just like Jesus said in the parable, if one wanders off, then we got to do everything we possibly can. You know what the shepherd would do when the one wandered off? 
He could break his legs. Now, I don't encourage you to go break your friend's legs. He would break their legs, and then the shepherd would put him on his back, and then he would carry him back to the flock. And then he would begin to help him heal and help him get back to where he needed to be. And so I was, led to, I was led to Acts chapter 4. Last week we actually looked in Acts chapter 4 as we were talking about praying continuously. Which, by the way, did you pray this week? Did you pray continuously? Did you have an answer to prayer? Then by golly, put it in the bucket. Have you spent some time praying over those? Good job, three. All right. Acts chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 13. Let's look at it. Now, last week we talked about what happened as the church prayed together. Now we're, going to be, now we're going to look at in the earlier part of Acts chapter 4 what actually led to that part. We know that uh, Peter and John, um, had. this was after Jesus uh, had died and was resurrected. He had revealed himself to the disciples. He had come to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and he said, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them because through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would give them the power to be able to stand up and be unashamed, speak unashamedly of the gospel. But in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John have been arrested for talking about the message of Jesus, for standing in front of, of the crowd and for talking to them about Jesus. And so they've been arrested, they've been taken, and they're standing before the Sanhedrin, a bunch of religious leaders, and it says this, the priest and the, and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day but many who heard the message but many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000 so they went from 3,000 because if you go back and read the first three chapters you see that 3,000 people came to Christ after Peter actually gave this incredible sermon 3,000 people and now another one happened 5,000 people came to Christ the next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem and an Ananias, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Because what they're doing is they're calling them to account because they had just healed a beggar. They had just healed a man. They're like, hey man, how'd you do that? And they go on to tell him, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Amen. Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, thank you, Jesus, because that gives me hope. (laughs) They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so I was really drawn to that passage, again, for just this for the, just this Sunday as we talk about this unashamedly because I find it really interesting that Peter and John had the boldness to talk about Jesus after they've just been arrested. They've been brought in before the Sanhedrin and they've said, hey guys, we don't want you talking about this Jesus guy. And what does he stand before them and say, listen, they had the power in those moments to do just about, to probably kill them if they wanted to. But what they did was they actually spoke the word more boldly in front of these people who were telling them not to. And that's what I love about Peter's boldness. And what God did is he, the Sanhedrin came together and they're like, well, hey guys, we see the man in front of us. He's been healed. There's nothing that we can really do. So we're going to have to let him go. Well, no, what I believe is that God had already ordained that. In God's sovereignty, he had already ordained that, ordained that. He already had protection for Peter and John because of what they were about to do. And we know that they left. They went back to, the elder, they went back to their group of people, the other followers. They celebrated. They worshiped God. They thanked him for who he was. And then they saw evidence of God show up in the shaking of the walls. Now, Barna did some research in 2022. I don't know if you know who Barna is, but he's a guy who does research on kind of the church and, and, and spiritual things, on the Bible, these kind of things. And he did some research asking non-believers, talking to non-believers about believers talking to them, sharing their faith. And there were the, there are top four things that stood out as he, he polled these people. The first one was, listen without judgment. Listen without judgment. Because I think too many times when we get into a situation where we see a person acting and being like they were are, and we want to share, share about Jesus too many times, our judgment comes into play. How often do you look at a person and you judge them just based off of their outward appearance? And the reality of it is, is that none of us deserve what Jesus did for us on the cross. If you look at us, I don't care how good a person you are. And so listen without judgment. The second thing was be honest about your doubts. Be honest about your doubts. Let's be honest. We've, we've all at some point in our life doubted the things that we know to be true about God. If you haven't, then you're not human. Because even the disciples, right? One of the disciples, doubting Thomas. And they had walked with Jesus for, they had walked with Jesus for three years. And they still were, had some doubts until all of a sudden, boom, Jesus shows back up. What? He just got up from the grave? I mean, can you imagine? Following Jesus, there probably were some doubts. How's he doing this? All of a sudden, now you see him die and go to a cross. They go into hiding because they're not sure what to do. And then all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up in the upper room. (laughs) Now your mind has changed. But let's be honest. Jesus has done the same thing for us. So why do we doubt? Just because we can't see him. Just because we can't touch him just because we can't feel him. 
but what people who wanted people to talk to them about their faith was to have people who were real and shared their doubts even in the midst of their faith. Because I believe that sometimes in our doubts, that's when God allows us to dig a little deeper in our faith. The the third thing was they didn't force a conclusion. They They didn't force a conclusion. And the third thing was to care about them as a person, not as a project. You see, it's not your responsibility to be the bridge. It's your responsibility to be a bridge builder and not a wall builder. So let's look at Acts chapter 4 real quick. There's some things I want to help you see. The first thing is this, is that it said that when they went to the Sanhedrin and they began to talk about it, it says that they were greatly disturbed, right? It says that, that, that as Peter began to talk, the, the Sanhedrin, they were greatly disturbed. And let's be honest, the message of Jesus will bother people. The message of Jesus will will bother people. Some people will be resistant if you unashamedly share the gospel. Some people will be resistant to the gospel. They'll be resistant to the message of Jesus. Just remember, they aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. It still becomes our responsibility to share anyway. The, The next thing is this, is that you must always be ready. Right? Peter and John had followed Jesus all this time. Now they had seen him ascend to heaven. And now they got this confidence. They got this boldness. They got this courage to when they were arrested, to be able to stand in this situation. And they were ready to give what God had given them. And so the word says, always be ready. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as the Lord. Always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Are you ready? Are you in a place where you're preparing yourself? Are you, are you walking in faith? Are you, are you learning to love your neighbor? Are you praying continuously? Are you preparing yourself for those moments that God might lead you into a position where you have the ability? Are you ready? The second thing is this, is that we, we must speak when God opens the door. There's, there's a saying that, that came from, I think it was St. Thomas Aquinas. I can't even say his last name. How do you say his last name, Ronnie? I know she'll know. Nope, Aquinas? Okay. See, I learned something. And it says, it says, Share your faith all times and when necessary, use words. I don't actually like that. Because what it does is I think we use it as an out not to actually speak. 
Oh, if I'm just a good person, I do kind things, I do loving things, then this people will know Jesus. Not necessarily. And so we must be ready. We must be ready. And when God puts us in those moments, we should be ready to speak. And when we speak, we should be ready to tell them who Jesus is and what he has done, right? That's what Peter said. This man that came, he was the builder that you guys rejected, and now he's the cornerstone. And that there's no other way that you can be saved except for through Jesus himself. And so my question is, are you ready? And when you are ready, when God opens up that door, are you willing to speak? But sometimes we don't see the door. What I love about that song, Reckless Love, is that so many people have a problem with it. Was Jesus' love reckless? No, but to the world, it was reckless, right? Because to the world, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Now, if you were to take your child out, your son, and go out there in the street and hold him out in front of a car just to let him die, would you be seen as reckless? Absolutely. But what I love about that, what I love about that song is it talks about how he kicks through the door to get that he's doing everything he can to pursue us. And I truly wholeheartedly believe that is that that song actually comes from an outsider perspective. Because God is constantly pursuing us. The last thing is this. Well, loving that passage, right? Because when they were given the opportunity, right? When they were told not to speak, guess what they kept doing in in front of the Sanhedrin? They kept speaking about Jesus. But here's what I love about that passage is this. Is that it ends with the part that gives all of us hope. It says, when they saw the courage, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So my last thought for you on unashamedly sharing the gospel is is this, make sure you're spending time with Jesus. Make sure You're spending time with Jesus. Let's not be in the 70% people in Brunswick County who claim to have faith, but it's not lived out in front of other people. You can call yourself a church person all day long. That doesn't mean that you're a follower of Jesus. You can call yourself a church person all day long. You can go to every time the doors are open. But if you aren't spending time with Jesus, if you aren't following him, if you aren't seeking after him and you haven't said yes to him, at this point, you're lost and your next step after death is eternal punishment. And it would be wrong for me to not tell you that because the Bible's pretty clear. So as you share your faith, spend time with Jesus. Because what I love about that is that 
we don't depend on our abilities. Because to be honest with you, you're not smart enough. And neither am I. The word says it is God himself who draws people unto himself. And I don't care how smooth you may be with words. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that people are drawn into relationship with Jesus. You are just a bridge builder. Here's the other word picture I want you to see. Jesus was the bridge, but sometimes it needs to be as easy for us just to take the step to walk over the bridge to a place where we actually share our faith. Michael, you guys, come back on up. I got three more verses and one more thought for you. Three verses that I want to give to you that kind of solidify this, this calling, this response for us. You see, and I don't, know if, I don't know if you know it, I don't know if you know it, but you're held accountable for everything that you hear. You're held accountable for everything you hear. And what you do with it matters. This is not from me. You're not accountable to me. You're not accountable to me. You're, ac you're accountable to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, For the message... For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are dying. But to us who are being saved, it is what? It is the power. It is the power of God. Mark 8, 38 says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels. Can you imagine standing in front of God and saying, Him saying, I'm sorry, you were ashamed of me. But not to be ended with Debbie Downer. Paul goes on to write to the Roman church in Romans 1.16 and he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The word gospel means the good news. The very thing that Peter preached in front of the Sanhedrin, the very message that has continued for generations, for generations upon generations, the very message that people have tried to take out the Bible and they've been unable to. Paul says, I am unashamed of the gospel because it is what? It's what? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel has power. Now, you know where that word power comes from? It's actually the Greek word. And I don't get into Greek often. 
But the Greek word is actually dunamis. Dunamis. D-U-N-M-A-S. Dunamis. Now, where do you wonder we got the word dynamite from? He talks about this power that the gospel brings, that when we know the truth and the truth lives in us, when we've been spending time with Jesus, when we're unashamedly willing to share the gospel, that's when power comes. And it doesn't come from us, but it comes from the gospel. And so we can't be afraid. We have to have courage. We have to have boldness to go into a world who is dying and going to hell. And we have to be willing to have the boldness to tell what Jesus has done. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about losing your job because maybe God will call you to lose your job because he's sending you to another part of the world. You're like, I'm too old. No, you ain't. You ain't done till you're dead. If you're retired, then it's time to refire. Because God ain't done. If you're a teenager here, God has called you to the exact same thing. He's calling your mom and dad or your grandparents to. To unashamedly share the gospel. That's what I love about kids. It's really cool because most ki- a lot of kids, man, once they catch on fire with Jesus, they'll go in their school because they don't know any better when they're young. You know, then you become a teenager and like, oh, I don't want to be in the out. I don't want to be in the, I won't be in the cool crowd if I, if, I, if I live for Jesus. Well, who gives a rip? Jesus is the coolest crowd you can be a part of. But I believe, listen to me, I believe that it starts when we make the decision that we're going to spend time with Jesus. They were unschooled, ordinary men, but it was no doubt to them that they had been with Jesus. What does your life reflect? Have you ever, have you ever been on a bridge? Have you ever been on a bridge and and there was water and you stopped to actually look down? What did it actually reflect? It reflects you. And my question to you is, does it reflect the person of Jesus? For we were created in God's image. You're created in God's image. He created you to be just like him. And then he says, then he says, once once you give your life, once you say yes to Jesus, then he puts himself in us. right. Right? Baptism, we say yes to him. We give our life, we go public. The whole thing of baptism is that when you go down, your old life is gone. And when you come up celebrating, that's what I love about that little girl. She was just a grinning then you're no longer the same person. There's something that God's doing in you. But my question is, if you're not spending time with Jesus, then you're not going to go into your workplace. You're not going to go into your home. You're not going to go into your neighborhood. You're most likely not going to be in tune with what God's doing to share your faith if you're not spending time with Jesus. So what would it look like this week for every one of us to go back home and this week, spend time with Jesus. 
ask God for the opportunity to share about him this week. It's quite possible that you could actually come back next week and not be alone. And what if we had less chairs then than we have now? Right? There's only a few open here. Who gives a rip? This is not about filling a sanctuary. Sit on the floor. Maybe we should just move all the chairs and get beanbag chairs. We can help all you guys up who can't get up. Oh, man. Amy, I'm sorry. Uh, let's pray. That person right now that you need to share the gospel with, put, put, ask God to put that name in your head. Put that name in your head. Maybe you don't know. Ask. Maybe your prayer is, God, just help me to uh, some, spend some more time with Jesus this week. Maybe your prayer is, God, help me to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that I know, God, when I'm supposed to share. God, help me to know. uh, Put your words in my mouth. Maybe you're here, listen, maybe you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ. You're like, Pastor Chris, I don't even know. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, now you do because what, you, what you've seen this morning is you've seen how you come to faith in Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for you. He gave his life for yours because you couldn't be good enough to, in, to inherit eternal life. So God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you might have salvation. And this morning, he's offering a free gift of salvation to you. And you just have to decide whether you're going to take it or not. You don't have to do anything for it. You just have to say yes to it. And so maybe you're here this morning, you need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you need to say, Pat, you need to say, Jesus, give me boldness and courage this week to share my faith. I want to unashamedly share the gospel. What would it look like if Jesus' church actually shared the gospel unashamedly? Can you imagine, as Pastor Michael talked about earlier, can you imagine what revival would look like? God goes before us and he prepares the way and he prepares the heart and we just have to trust him. Will you stand? Let's sing this song together and make this a time where you just seal the deal that you either give your life to Christ or you want to share the gospel unashamedly.